With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to the Wolverine Confidential Podcast. I am Andrew Kahn. I'm Ryan Zook. And I'm Aaron McMahon. Coming off our Michigan football season kickoff event, we wanted to tackle some of the questions we didn't get to. So whether you tuned in to that event or not, we've got you covered coming up on Wolverine Confidential. All right, guys, I can't believe I'm talking to you here again. Uh, so soon after last night's hours long event, but no, in all seriousness, I think it went very well. Did you guys enjoy it? Yeah. It's kind of disappointing. Just us three again. I really enjoyed all the interaction with, uh, with the people that were on and, and some great questions were asked and I think it re- went really well. So now going to just us three again, you know, it's a little bit sad. I think I said after the event, we could have probably won another 15 or 20 minutes just based on the volume of questions and topics we could have hit on that we, and some of the topics we didn't get to. So it's, it's a good thing we're doing this to try and handle all the, uh, the overflow. Absolutely. No, thanks to all the, the hundreds of people who, who tuned in and, you know, whether you're asking questions or not, we appreciated it. And, and it was fun to, to preview the Michigan football season. Again, that was, that was on Thursday night that we did that. It was recorded. It was filmed. We will have a video that'll go up on on YouTube, I believe, and we'll post it on our website if you want to just, you know, rewatch the the thing. It was about, I want to say 90 minutes, but I guess probably less is what they're actually going to post with with us, given, you know, there was just a little bit before and after with introductions, but maybe not. I, I don't know. We'll find out. But yeah, we're gonna we're not gonna rehash everything we we discussed on last night, but we'll we'll get to some of the questions, like I said, that that we just didn't have time for or, or missed or whatever. See, I'll just run through some of them. Gene asked. He said fourth or fifth in the Big Ten East. You know, is that a reasonable expectation? Yeah, I mean, we made our predictions. Well, to, to me, that's that's kind of where Michigan did fall based on the record I have them. What about you guys? Yeah, I think fourth is certainly a realistic possibility. I mean, if, if you if they in fact finish like seven and five, like most folks think they're going to, including us, uh, fourth is a is a pretty good bet. I mean, there's no doubt about it. I think Ohio State's the runaway favorite, so there's one. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think most folks are expecting Penn State and or Indiana and some form or combination afterwards, and that would put Michigan fourth. I mean, they could, you know, surprise some folks and, you know, get a win and finish eight and four. Maybe that puts them third. Even I don't expect them to get much higher. I mean, even if you look at Michigan's good years under Harbaugh the last couple of years where they get nine, ten wins, they were usually finishing either third, and there was that one year where they, they tied for first, but they're usually third or, or, or lower. So, yeah, I mean, fourth or fifth is a realistic possibility, and I think it's important for – Michigan fans to adjust their expectations and expect something like that because, you know, I don't think this is the year where somehow Jim Harbaugh is going to miraculously break through and win the Big Ten, especially with with so many changes and unknowns. Yeah, that, that's a 
good point there. And you, you mentioned realistic and versus expectations. I mean, I think, I don't think Michigan's expecting to finish. I, I think as a program in a whole, they shouldn't be expecting to finish fourth, but this year, I think that is the most realistic possibility behind Ohio state, Penn state and Indiana. What will be interesting is I mean, they do have Indiana at home this year. So if they can win that game and maybe hold a, a head-to-head advantage against them, uh, they could possibly finish third. But I, I don't think they're going to beat Penn State on the road. And obviously, Ohio State that seems like a foregone conclusion that that's going to be a, a loss at the end of this year. So, yeah, I think best-case scenario is probably third, but most likely scenario is probably fourth. Yeah, I mean, if, if we're saying Ohio State's going to win this thing and, and you want to put Rutgers, Maryland, Michigan State as, as the bottom three, that's fine. Someone of Michigan, Penn State, Indiana has to finish fourth. I mean, that's how it works. So, like, which team is that going to be? Whoever it is, it's going to be going to be disappointed. I mean, and Penn State and, and Indiana are ranked in the preseason and Michigan is not. So, yeah, I mean, one of those teams is going to be is going to be, you know, left out of that top three. Do you guys could you guys envision a scenario where, like, Rutgers finishes fourth and Michigan finishes fifth. I don't think that's a stretch to say this year, is it? Well, considering you've been all about, I mean, it didn't sound like in, in your predictions, it sounded like you were more worried about like the Maryland and Michigan State game than Rutgers. You didn't even mention that in the potential trap game. So now you're throwing up Rutgers in there. I mean, well, I guess it is a possibility, but I, I don't think this year's the year. I think Michigan should win the game. It's a home game. I mean, Rutgers, they clearly have the better talent than Rutgers, but you saw what happened last year in Piscataway. It took them, it took them three overtimes. I don't think Rutgers is going to be any worse than they were last year. You know, we don't know what we're going to see of this Michigan defense. So I, I don't know. I guess we'll see. I, I don't think that's that Rutgers game is a bona fide win. I think it's a game Michigan should win and probably can, but I don't, I, don't, I, I think there's like one or two guaranteed wins on the schedule. And after that, I could see anything happening. And that's, I know it's crazy to say, but we just don't know a ton about this defense and what, how they're going to show up or what how they're going to play. So I, I could see them finishing anywhere from second or third all the way down to fifth. So do you think Rutgers is going to finish ahead of Maryland and Michigan State? Yeah. I, in fact, I have to go back and look at what, the, what I turned in for the Big Ten preseason poll, media poll, but I think that's probably what I had. I, I think I probably had Rutgers ahead of both of them. Wow. Um, I, th- I think I had Maryland bottom in the division. I think I had Michigan State uh, sixth. I think I had Rutgers fifth. I have to go back and look, but that's probably what I had. This leads right into another question then from Jake, which is very simple. Is Michigan State supposed to be good this year? And I always like questions like that. I, I think about those when I do, like it's often for basketball, like, you know, Big Ten preview or whatever. And sometimes it's just like, think about how, like, you talk to people about teams like, oh, are they going to be good this year? Like, that's kind of, it's, it's a simple Maybe. thing, but that's really what it is. And all of a sudden, are they good? Like, I, I don't know much about this team. Like, are they good? Uh, and that is the question question for Michigan State. And I guess based on, you know, what you were just saying, Aaron, your, your answer would be no, not not supposed to be particularly good this year. It, it all depends on, I guess, your idea of good. Like, are <laughs> they going to, can they pull an upset? And could they beat Michigan again? Sure. I, I think it, right. it could absolutely could happen. You know, coming out of last year, I, I think if you're a Michigan State fan, they liked what they saw. You know, obviously the turnovers early on were issues, and they had they had issues all around the field. But like, they had some good wins there. I mean, they beat Michigan, they beat Northwestern. They it was clear that Mel Tucker was trying to establish kind of that that base and what they're trying to, uh, you know, you know that type of team and how he wants to play. And they did that. Now it's about bringing in the type of players they want and that kind of fit their system and, and how they want to play. 
I mean, the ceiling, I think, for this Michigan State team, maybe not this year, but down there, I mean, they could be good. I mean, they got some guys coming. They have a boatload of transfers, guys that are experienced at, at linebacker on the defense side of the ball. So they'll probably be in some games. Do they go six and six or seven and five? Probably not. I'm, I'm looking at probably a five and seven season. Um, but yeah, it's hard to say. I mean, you, you really don't know because we didn't see them a ton last year. Mel Tucker, this is really his first full year where he's kind of getting everything going. Um, but I, I don't, I'm not ready to rule them out against Michigan. I, I certainly think they could beat Michigan again, especially with that game in East Lansing this year. Ben Van Sumer in two sacks, four tackles for loss, a couple pass breakups against Michigan this year. What do you I think? Mean, it's a possibility. <laughs> they, 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 they probably has a decent idea of how, what they're going to run offensively, right? I mean, they've yeah. you've seen it a ton in practice. Uh, yeah, I mean, Michigan State wasn't particularly good last year, but they still beat Michigan. Now, the other the other years that they they have beat Michigan, they've they finished with a pretty good record. So, uh, but but we'll see. All right, yeah, we had we had some other questions about individual players. Dan asked, "How has Alan Bowman looked?" And you know, we can't really answer that one. We they don't let us into to practice to watch him. You know, he did he did arrive late, as we've talked about on this podcast. Like he was he was not here. For the spring, you know, I'm sure that didn't didn't help his cause, but exactly how he's looked, he's not he's not being discussed as the potential starter. So, yeah, I mean, it's it's I don't want to say it's not relevant, but yeah, it's it's we can't fully answer that question. I, I think I saw one social uh, one video of practice. I think the Big Ten Network posted last week when they, they showed up to Ann Arbor and were, they were led into practice to watch. And I think it was Dave Revson or someone from BTN posted a video of the quarterbacks each throwing a, th- a ball. Mm-hmm. Um, they obviously did it in order of the, the projected depth chart with Kane McNamara one, um, JJ McCarthy two, Bowman three. I thought Bowman threw a crisp pass. It was one throw. <laughs> was, I, I thought I thought it was the crispest pass of the three. Um, it looked like he had some some you know some speed on it and everything else. But again, it's one throw. I mean, we're not we're not privy to practice. We can't see anything. And I think it's more than just obviously you know the strength of your arm or the crisp. Right. You know, you've got to learn the playbook. You got to learn the offense. It's going to take him some time. I mean, he's coming from Texas Tech in the air raid, and he's he's a different type of quarterback. I, I was kind of surprised he showed, and I've said this before. I'm kind of surprised he showed up because he doesn't really fit the type of scheme they're trying to run. He, he very much fits the old kind of the old style of how Harpa want to play with quarterback in the pocket and just you know throwing deep balls. We we don't we don't know. I, I think he adds depth to the quarterback room. How much he ends up playing, I, I don't know. So it's it's hard to say at this point. It's interesting you said that because this question came up in in my uh, VIP session yesterday about the Michigan's quarterback commit in the twenty twenty two class and Jaden Denigal, and he fits that same type of mold of like Michigan's old offense, a guy that doesn't offer much in the run game, has a strong arm, has good size, but he, I mean he's not going to be that dual threat guy on um, that we kind of thought Michigan would be looking for in Josh Dash's offense. So um, it, it seems like they're kind of stuck in the middle right now of what they, they want at the quarterback position. So we'll, we'll see. There were a few questions, comments related to Blake Corum uh, running back. Uh, I don't have anything in particular. There just, there's just a few different comments about what he might be able to bring to the offense, whether Michigan will, you know, utilize him properly, whether he might be on the field with the son Haskins at the same time. Uh, so yeah, Blake Corum. What else can we say about him that you know maybe we didn't last night? Well, I I, I certainly think they could certainly put two running backs on the field at the same time they've done it before, and I'm sure they'll do it again. How much they'll do it, you know, I, I don't know. 
Um, Corum's obviously a weapon in the passing game. I mean, they like what he can do out there. He's almost like a mini Chris, a younger Chris Evans, I think. He didn't do much in the, in the run game last year. I mean, he had, I'm looking at the stats right now, 26 carries for 77 yards, two touchdowns. He averaged three yards a carry, which isn't great. I mean, it's not, I guess it's not awful, but it's not great either, especially when you compare to Hassan Haskins, who's averaging 6.1 yards per carry and like four plus after contact. So right. I, I think they're very, they're two different backs. I think he's going to utilize them in different ways. Um, he's certainly probably, gonna get, he's certainly going to get more carries this year. So we're going to see him a little bit more. So we'll see. I, they, they clearly like what they have in him. They, they talk about him all the time. They rave about him. You know, perhaps they use him a little bit differently this fall, and they'll use him more. But we'll see. I mean, they, he's that kind of like three, two-dimensional guy where they can do different things with. Hassan isn't really that guy you can kind of throw out in space and throw the ball to. So it gives Michigan the options. But we'll see what his production's like. I'm very curious, especially running the ball this fall, how how productive he really is. Yeah, I, I think Blake will fit in. Is they're probably their primary third down back. I mean, yeah, like you said, Hassan doesn't offer much in the passing game at all. If it's third and long, they're going to most likely have either Blake Corum or Donovan Edwards back there, kind of a dual threat guys um, that can kind of sneak out of the backfield and, and pick up some chunk yardage in, in the passing game as well. But yeah, I mean, we talked yesterday or last night about potential breakout guys on, on offense. And I think Blake Corum is definitely one of those candidates. I mean, he was a, a top 150 guy coming out of the 2022 class. Everyone raved about his speed and, and he definitely has the work ethic. Um, we've heard a lot about him this fall camp, so I won't be surprised if he kind of takes that next step as a breakout sophomore season. He's only listed at five eight, and so he's probably really like five seven and a half. He's so short. He's not, the, he's not the biggest guy in the world, so you, you know he's got to utilize his speed, and that's something we we hear about all the time. So I, you know they'll use him to what degree? You know I, I don't know, and, and it's going to be interesting to see how they throw Donovan Edwards in there too. Um, because you know we saw last year where they they try to divide the carries and give equal guys equal reps didn't necessarily work out so well. Now, granted, they didn't run the ball a ton either, um, but I, I expect it's going to be a little bit different. It's a little more, um, you know, kind of divided this year, and, and you're going to see kind of guys, they're going to carve rolls out for certain guys, and you're going to see them go back to, you know, the the best option in whatever situation they're in. Those obvious passing situations, though, sometimes, you know, you want a, a guy who can, you know, pick up the blitz too and you know block as well that that's that's just as important as in being able to sneak out of the backfield and, and catch passes all right yeah we'll, we'll stay with offense then and a couple comments about and, and questions about dalen baldwin you know what to expect from him you know we have talked about him on this podcast you know quite a bit and we did you know mention him last night and then you know someone else asked about a potential breakout player on offense like to me i, I think i said it last night like cornelius johnson is my guy there but you know, Dalen Baldwin wasn't on the team last year. He wasn't on the team last year. So like he he would definitely fill that role as, as breakout from Michigan. Uh, yeah. I mean, I, I think, I think it's probably a, a receiver is your, your best bet there, but yeah, I, was, I realized a little bit all over the place there, but it, either you guys want to talk about Dalen Baldwin or, or a potential different breakout player on offense. Dalen gives, you know, Michigan another big body receiver, something they don't have a ton of. I mean, Cornelius is that guy clearly, and they're going to start him and, and he's, he's, clearly primed for a big year Baldwin's gonna I think probably get some targets you know how many or in what role or what capacity I, I don't know I, I don't really know how much they're utilizing in practice but I mean there has been some they have you know posted a few videos from, from practice Michigan has and, and Baldwin is making plays uh so it gives him another big body guy on the outside Bal I know when we spoke to Baldwin a couple months ago or whenever it was you know he, he made it sound like he can do whatever whatever whether it's a slot or what they can play outside so he likes to think he's versatile I don't know how Michigan plans to use him 
but given his his kind of frame and his stature and his experience, I, I suspect they'll probably use him more on the outside just because they don't have a ton of those type of guys. So we'll see. Uh, you know, he's an experienced guy, as I said. He's played quite a bit at the college level. Um, he was very productive at Jackson State, so that probably bodes well. How that translates to, you know, the Big Ten level and, and you know, higher echelon of football remains to be seen. But I, I think, you know, his addition certainly doesn't hurt the uh, the receiver room. Yeah, and a lot was made last year about the running back rotation Michigan had and, and, and no one really being able to, to get in, into the rhythm of a game. But at receiver, they kind of did the same thing. There was guys constantly rotating in and on and off the field in different packages. And Michigan needs a guy, a number one receiver that can be an every down guy and can be a, a threat every play. So, yeah, I, I think Cornelius Johnson, like Andrew said, is is the candidate there to beat that deep threat that can, can really strike fear in opponents. And maybe maybe some other guys, some of the younger guys really take a leap forward. Uh, I know A.J. Henning was a, a really highly touted prospect coming out of high school. He's entering his sophomore year. Roman Wilson had a few catches as a true freshman last year. They're probably the two fastest receivers in the, in the receiver room. Maybe they utilize that better this year and, and come up with some big plays. But, yeah, I think Michigan needs a breakout guy at that at position that other teams actually have to game plan a little bit more, more for and, and really strike fear in them. So, yeah, that's a good question. Yeah, I mean, you look for just like flashes from last year. And, and was it Indiana? Cornelius Johnson had the long touchdown yeah. catch I'm remembering. Yeah, I was like, all right, there's something, you know, to try to latch on to, you know, for to kind of project what they could do going forward. We had another another question. Anyway, we see Dax on offense as well. That would be, you know, Dax Hill, the de- defensive player so far in his career, kind of, you know, safety, corner, hybrid, kind of do it all type guy. Michigan's, you know, most talented player in the defensive backfield, at least. Yeah. It would be a definite no. <laughs> yeah, there's no, no indication that's the plan. Um, but I will say this. I remember when they were recruiting Dax, and I spoke to him in high school and his prep to coming to Michigan. That was one of the selling points, at least that's what he told me, of, of him coming to Michigan. They, they told him that they perhaps could throw him there as a receiver because obviously they like his speed and his athletic ability. To this point, it hasn't really come to fruition. Maybe there's something being hidden there in practice we don't know about. You know, but at this point, there's no sign of that happening. Um, but that certainly isn't out of the realm of possibility because, like, like I said, it has been brought up in the past. Um, they just Thanks. haven't felt the need to do it. Now, keep in mind, I mean, they're they are down in a scholarship from, you know, they don't have the number of scholarship receivers in the room that Josh Gass would prefer. So certainly, it's a possibility it will happen. It's probably not likely, no. The way I look at it is, if you look at the depth at both positions, receiver, they have a lot of bodies there that seem capable. Safety and in the secondary, not so much. So, I mean, if Dex gets hurt playing offense, there's really no excuse. You can't really justify that because then you're really hurting the defensive side of the ball there where they struggled mightily last year. And, and there's still a lot, a lot of unknowns heading into 2021 too. So for me, it just doesn't make any sense for, I don't think he would be much better than any of the guys that they have in that current receiver room right now. Kick return or punt return, that's a yeah. different story. I mean, you would like to have a guy there, an explosive guy with speed and and agility that that can make some plays in the open field. But to actually put him and have him running routes and, and tiring himself out in the game that he's going to be on the field almost every, every play on defense, I don't I don't see it. I don't um, see Mike McDonald allowing it either. I mean, Josh Gass <laughs> would have to go to the defensive coaches and ask to use him. And I'm pretty sure, given all the responsibilities that the defensive side is giving Dax, I don't think they they would give the blessing to do it 
Gotcha. This one was, you know, kind of offbeat is what is your favorite campus environment and stadium to see a game in beside Michigan Stadium? Uh, you know, I could answer this one from kind of the, the basketball side, but Aaron, you know, you're the one that, that's traveling most frequently to to all these places. You've, you've been to every Big Ten football stadium at this point? No, I have not. That's the thing. I have not been to Iowa or Nebraska. Those okay. Are only two. It's so They're, funny how the Michigan schedule works out where they just yeah. go so many like a decade without going to certain places now with the the two divisions but yeah, yeah they, okay I, they were i mean they were supposed to go to nebraska, or iowa obviously right. last year and the game got canceled and we're going to nebraska this year, this year so at some point i'll hit both um yep. of this of the stadiums i've been to to me probably the coolest environment has been penn state now both times i've been there were the night night games with the whiteouts and that stadium's rocking i mean mm-hmm. i recommend any any college football fan especially if you're in the big 10 area uh, make it a, a point of going to state college for a night game. Didn't get much time to visit the, the campus because you typically, when we travel there, we got to stay like an hour outside of town because all the hotels are booked up and all the fans are there. So it's nearly impossible to stay there. So you kind of got to drive in, but the stadium atmosphere is cool. It's kind of middle of nowhere. Um, but they, they get up for games. It's a lot of fun. I remember in the press box is shaking when they're jumping up, the students are jumping up and down. It's, it's a pretty wild, raucous atmosphere. Madison's really cool. Wisconsin, I think the city is really, it's a, it's a nice city. It's a lot of fun. Uh, it almost reminds I mean, it is a state capital. So it reminds me of kind of like that big city atmosphere a little bit, kind of like Ann Arbor. Mm-hmm. Um, that, that's a really cool environment too. Those are probably my top two. Evanston, I think is underrated. I, I like going there. That was a lot of fun. Obviously the stadium isn't, isn't the nicest, but the, I think that the neighborhood and the surrounding areas are, are beautiful, especially in the fall. Yeah, my father and mother-in-law are planning on, you know, trying to hit up some some of these Big Ten stadiums they they haven't been to, including, you know, the two you mentioned at first uh, with Wisconsin and Penn State. Don't know they're going to Wisconsin uh, host Penn State and that that first that first Saturday. They're planning to be there for that. So any any recommendations for Madison for them? I'll have to let them know. Yeah, I, I will say, you know, the the drive in. To Penn State is a boring one. You know, that's like one of those, like, to, to, I mean, we've, I made several drives on the Big Ten, but Penn State is one of the worst. But once you get there, you know, at least from the stadium perspective, it's a lot of fun. The games, the atmosphere is incredible. Yeah, it is wild. We've got, uh, we've got Big Ten football tomorrow. Yes. Isn't there, there's an actual Big Ten football game tomorrow. tomorrow. Illinois, yeah. Nebraska. Yes. Nailed it. Yes. Yeah. That's... Illinois plus seven, lock it in. <laughs> there you we've, go. Got yeah. first, we've got our first lock of the fall <laughs> there we go getting back getting back into that yes i remember this these days uh yeah, yeah good stuff yeah and then as i mentioned you know penn state wisconsin kind of the highlight of that of that true you know week one you know the, the following saturday when most teams open including including michigan with western michigan but yeah that covers the the questions i mean if they some were going through to different channels. It was hard to kind of get them all, but you know, hopefully, hopefully, we got to your to your question. Was there anything else? I guess that has come up, you know, recently this week, you know, that you wanted to talk to before we get to next uh, next week is is game week, and we'll have all sorts of content. I guess real quick, yeah. I guess the big news the last couple of days, just from a from a team perspective, we learned yesterday Thursday, and I guess it's not huge news, but we kind of saw this coming, but we we had definitive word. Uh, Retro freshman Nakai Hill Green is is going to start inside linebacker. Next, I think most of us expected um, Michael Barrett to, to fill in that role. Uh, not going to happen. It sounds like Barrett's still vying for a spot. He's kind of second a depth chart behind Hill Green. 
Um, but they, they really like what they have in Hill Green. He didn't play a ton last year. So, he's, again, another one of those inexperienced guys is kind of get thrown into the fire. Uh, but they, th- they think he had a really good offseason. He, he lost a lot of weight. I know he talked to uh, – or he gained weight, excuse me. I think he talked to Zook last Friday. I wasn't there, but uh, you can kind of clean on what he said. But they like what they have there. You know, linebackers coach George Hilo spoke very highly of him. He's very detail-oriented. So it's it's kind of a kind of a surprise for some folks. Mike Barrett's going to get thrown in there. He'll get played just because he has the experience level. But the fact that Hill Green is kind of passed up on the depth chart to me is is quite a quite a bit of a stunner. Yeah, I mean it is a stunner. I mean it's it's a guy that uh, that doesn't have any defensive snaps in his college career. I mean he played a, a few games on special teams last year, but I mean being a starting inside linebacker at the University of Michigan is a whole different uh, whole different ball game. So I mean yeah. I remember last year in spring camp, Don, Don Brown praised praised him too, but he didn't end up really cracking the the depth chart at all. But he does. I, I was surprised with how how big he did look um, when when we spoke to him last week, and he said he kind of dedicated himself this offseason, really studied the playbook, and it seems like he's really grasped this new defensive scheme that Mike McDonald has implemented. And for, yeah, for Mike Barrett, I mean, it's it, I, it's a tough transition for him. I mean, he wasn't recruited to Michigan to to be an inside linebacker. So, um, yeah, to, to see him kind of take a little bit of time to adjust to a new role isn't too surprising. But again, we've mentioned this a, a, a thousand times. Michigan's very thin at the inside linebacker position, so they better hope that, the, that they stay healthy at that position this year. I think this probably speaks well to the development of Nakai Hill Green as opposed to, you know, Mike Barrett, because as, as you said, and that was a good point, that Barrett was brought here to play more of a hybrid linebacker uh, safety spot, the Viper spot in Don Brown's defense. So, and he, he did it pretty well. I mean, he was a playmaker. He, he had interceptions. He, he looked like he had a really good year last year. They're trying to fit him into a different role. And sometimes that takes time. I, mean, I know he had to put on weight. He's probably learned new responsibilities and that can be tough. Um, but if you can get it down, I mean, that certainly helps Michigan's depth. I don't think it's necessarily a negative for, mm-hmm. to have to throw Barrett in there because, look, he's been on the field more than pretty much anyone else. So and I, th- I think that certainly helps with their depth. We'll, we'll see here how Hill Green plays. I'm curious to watch you know, these first few games and the mistakes or the plays he makes. And I, I think that if they can turn Hill Green into a decent linebacker, especially early on, I think that'll help Michigan's defense. We could see Michigan breaking in some brand new starters on the defensive side of the ball. Game one, if if RJ Moen gets a lot of run at the, one of the safety positions, if Dax Hill's at nickel a lot, and then yeah, and, and the Kai Hill Green as well. So we'll we'll see how they and possibly DJ Turner at, at a quarterback spot. So it's it's gonna be fascinating to see who kind of trots out there for the for the opener on, on defense here come week one. Yeah, and it's important to point out too. Uh, George Hilo, the linebackers coach, did say that Barrett is is kind of playing that will in the dime packages, which you know football lingo dime packages. You tech, you typically use five and six defensive backs in the backfield. So that to me hints that Michigan certainly is going to throw more uh, more guys on the field in in the backfield and passing in long you know second and third long situations, perhaps more than Don Brown in the past. But that's just another example. How different this this defensive alignment is going to look this year. They're, they're not going to be afraid to, again, as we've talked about before, use three-man fronts up front, use four linebackers or five linebackers, and or use five or six defensive backs, defensive backs in the backfield. So you're going to see a lot of different things this fall. How much you know we see early on remains to be seen, but they're, they're certainly not afraid of, of changing it up here. Well, certainly we'll get our first look a week from Saturday when Michigan hosts West, Western Michigan this uh, 
like I said, a big 10 game tomorrow. And then, you know, even the opening week, there's, there's four others. I mean, in the past, we've just had one like intra, you know, conference game, but there's, there's five of them, I believe to, to start off this season before we you know really get into the big 10 schedule in a, in a few weeks. So it's supposed to be about 90 degrees in uh champagne tomorrow for that one o'clock PM kickoff. But yeah, we're, we're ready for some some football again next week. We'll be game week. We'll have plenty of coverage uh, on this podcast and on mlive.com slash Wolverines. Thanks for listening.